Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. I was just talking to Joel Kahn and Travis Wright, the hosts and the founders of the Bad Crypto Podcast, really the show that pivoted me to start this show because I wanted to be as close to their show as possible. They educate and entertain, and I rarely won't recommend other podcasts, but I will recommend theirs. It's excellent. But this was a great show because it was just so fun and light, but also you're going to learn a lot about how to launch a successful business and how to do something when other people are telling you it's a very stupid idea. And then you'll be very successful. Give some love to the sponsors and I'll talk to you guys just in a minute. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, BitPay, for making today's episode possible. We'll hear more about them later on in this episode. Untold Stories wouldn't be here without the amazing production company, Blockworks Group. A few months ago, I approached Blockworks Group and I said, hey guys, I want to do a show, Untold Stories. Can we make it happen? And these guys are the only event and podcast production company that I trust. Really, the show is powered by them, and it wouldn't be here today without the amazing work of the BlockWorks Group team. So for access to all the premier digital asset conferences and to check out their other podcasts in their network that they produce, check them out at BlockWorksGroup.io. That's BlockWorksGroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. That's good to have you guys on. Uh... This is only the second time I've ever done a show with two people before. And the other time, it was a little bit different because it was like two CEOs of a company. Then they're very similar, but they're also different. So it's easy to like pre-write the show. It's a completely heterosexual threesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How did you guys know that you'd be good hosts together when you launched the Bad Crypto Podcast? Because that's like the biggest thing. How do you know that you had, cause it's almost like marriage on steroids and launching a show when you have two hosts, like it's, it's not an easy thing to do. How did you know you'd vibe? Well, chemistry, I guess. I mean, Travis and I had been talking uh, quite a bit during the whole 2016 election season, especially on messenger, you know, a lot of back and forth every day. We discovered that, you know, we had a lot of the same opinions and sensibilities when it came to U S politics. And after the election was over, um, somehow the conversation turned to crypto in early 2017. And I don't know, we were just chatting all the time i guess i don't know travis did we did we know it was gonna go well well i don't know that we knew that it would go well but i think we had a premonition that it might just because we were having so many random conversations all the time like we and it and it was just like the conversations always seemed to be interesting and we were like well this this is funny and interesting like maybe i think people would like to hear what we're talking about right now and so that's kind of what seemed to to, to resonate with us. And, and here we are, you know, we've just had our official 400th episode, but we've, we're closing in on 500 total episodes. And now we're doing this whole virtual blockchain week thing. So I guess it's going okay. It makes no sense. We've done 400, <laughs> but we're closing in on 500. It's like total. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, because special episodes and another series that we did on the side, you know, during ICO season, but yeah, we've, we recorded a, a metric buttload of uh, content. How has like the show changed, you know, from like episode one to 50 and 50 to 150 and kind of take us through that? N- not a lot. I mean, if you go <laughs> back, 
If you go back to um, episode one, July 18th, 2017, Travis and I came up with the idea on July 16th. And because we both have a background as broadcasters, podcasters, marketers, content creators, you know, we've set up websites, we've designed, you know, graphics, we've done this before. It's not our first rodeo. He and I were able to mobilize just on our own within two days have the show up and I picked the music and I initially did the production because I've got a background in in audio production as well. And so does Travis. And um, the music that we used, I think over the first five episodes, how the show would flow um, came together pretty quick. We in the very beginning, we had three segments where we would, you know, banter and then we would do the news. Um, but then we started doing interviews with people and it became a, um, I guess, uh, sometime over the period of, mm, I don't know, a hundred episodes in, it was primarily, um, one news show a week and which is what we call bad news and then interview shows. You guys probably have epic stories. You probably have the craziest stories. Travis has epic stories. I got regular stories. No, my I- story- my stories aren't that epic. They're, they're, they're sort of they're miniatures. They're, they're bad. Miniatures. Well, it's really yeah. cool because um, I launched Untold Stories as more of like to look back in history and, and you know, tell those stories. But then y- you guys are living and telling history. It's an extremely different show, The Bad Crypto Podcast, because you've lived through and, and have recorded through so many historical events in, in history of crypto uh, going back. You guys launched in like 2017, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so just going through that epic bull run, that in itself... It's history. I want to ask you a question, and, tr- and, and if you can, like, because I don't really know this answer. When you're going, when you guys were recording through that, did you feel like a reverberation or a difference of going through, like, about to go through an epic bull market? You know, when the price went to five hundred dollars, and eventually started going through. And that's around the time when you guys got got started. Um, did you feel that reverberations? Did you get? Uh, uh, caught up in the in the you know the earthquake and the craziness of that you know that crazy bubble. I think that's what sort of sort of swept us up, right? Because we were, you know, I, I wrote an article on Huffington Post about the election stuff that was going on and how people were freaking out about WikiLeaks and John Podesta's emails and how he lost his phone and was hacked by the Russians and it, it was it, it, his password was password and he left his I phone in that. a taxi and and I, I just I just put some perspective. It was like about a five thousand word article where I just went through all these different things and I was like. Look, we could bitch about the problems all we want and blame the Russians or whatever, or we could have a solution, which is maybe work towards voter ID and have a blockchain-based voting system someday where we can guarantee that things can't be hacked and we don't have to worry about voter fraud. We don't have to worry about, you know, uh, you know, voter uh, voter booths and these electronic voting machines, you know, because like the voting machine that I was at, in 2016 was the same voting machine that was there in 2004 and like people can hack that shit out in the parking lot with the it would just connect to the wi-fi and it's like it's been proven time and time again so i was like let's make sure that our election which is the most important thing for our democracy is secure and so i wrote this article and that just sort of turned into a whole lot of conversations around blockchain and joel and i were having lots of conversations and and somebody had come to me as a result of that article and they were wanting to create this new project that was going to be sort of a decentralized reddit uh slash twitter kind of a combo called deep sea 
And the whole process was going to be, hey, let's validate the news. Let's let's actually be like Wikipedia and go in and do this and, and validate the news and say, hey, this is a left-leaning publication. This is a right-leaning publication. This journalist looks like they're beholden to these sort of monetary interest and just to kind of gain insight and do a deep C S E E into, you know, all these different projects and all these different news. And, and then the founder decided that he wanted to do a decentralized YouTube and then he decided something else and then he ran out of money and then we're like, whatever, Joel and I are going to go do this podcast anyway. And I think that, you know, we did kind of get swept up in the thing just because the timing was so great. Now, what was interesting was that we were having conversations about this. And then, you know, like I had gotten into crypto and, and mined Bitcoin in 2010 and then I lost all the Bitcoin and I didn't have any crypto buddies. And so I just it didn't I didn't get I didn't get that that hook because I didn't have people to jive with. And so finally, I had a buddy that we could talk about crypto and I could jive with finally. And uh, we discovered Ant Shares, and like Ant Shares was oh like, oh my god, Ant Shares! That was press Bitmain, like pre. Wow, it was like two. It was like two bucks before it became Neo, and and we were like, well, how do we buy Ant Shares? How do we do this? Like, what? Is, how, how does this work? And then like Joel's like, all right, so I went on Bitrix, and then I I switched some of my money over from Coinbase, and then I went in, and then I bought some, and then it became Neo, and then it took off, and then it it was genius, right? And so that was it. And we're like, man, we should. We start talking about crypto all the time. We're like, man, we should we should maybe do the the Joel and TW crypto show, and then there we go. <laughs> it just it just took off. Then you know, I thought of another change that took place in the format of the show, Trav. Mm-hmm. When we were during ICO season, we were actually doing four episodes a week, and we uh, we had so many companies coming to us wanting to be on that we thought, you know what, if we vet these companies as good as we can, and we call this a sponsored show, this could be a great way to monetize the show. And so we did a crypto spotlight, and we would have three, sometimes four different you know companies represented on the show and you know they would sometimes we'd get their crappy you know tokens most of the times like it it didn't i don't know that it really ever paid off um to do it but we were always super transparent with our audience and you know tell them hey this is this is sponsored and uh, we're not financial advisors and we're not giving you any advice go do your own due diligence but that that was a short season during ico season that we had that show in there as well yeah, we thought for sure one of the shit coins would take off. <laughs> None of, some of them did. None of them did. Not, it was no. all about timing, right? Like, it's all about, I remember sitting, I remember there was a coin that I bought and I was hanging out with a bunch of friends, like physically. And I know, right? Remember the days that you could hang out with friends, like physically? I can't believe I just said that. Like, I had to say physically. That was weird. Was it that long ago? Oh my God, that was so weird. My subconscious is scaring me a little bit right now. But At I remember you got Courtney there. I mean, you know, no, they all left. They all left me. They all went walking on the beach somewhere. They took the dog. They took. They left. They're all gone. <laughs> but um, I lost my train of thought. But um, you were feeling lonely. I was feeling lonely. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, we were talking about the 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 ICOs. Yeah, and you're the, with some friends physically, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, bought yeah, a shitcoin. So I was with some friends with some shitcoin, and then and then I remember. Let's just say it was trading at ten cents, and then we all bought a bunch. I remember. Actually, um, we all bought a bunch. And then the one guy who was like telling us that it's amazing, um, it kept going up and he was like texting us. He's like, guys, it's going up. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm going to sell. And he goes, no, 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 it's going up. It's going up. The white paper is being released tomorrow. And I remember like when the white paper is being released, that would be like a big deal. And (laughs) 
I should have sold because the day the white paper released, the thing dumped. And it was like the Buy first the like, rumors, sell, sell the, news. the news. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Travis, you should have had Charlie as a crypto buddy instead of me because then you would have kept your Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that was one of the weirdest things about the whole thing was that I, got, I have a lot of smart friends, but still it's like Bitcoin didn't resonate with them like the, and i think it was because we never really fully understood the blockchain we we never really fully understood how it all worked because i saw that article on slash dot and then i put it on my laptop and, I, and it was a frustrating thing to try to get it to finally work and then i got it to work and then over time i went and looked and looked and i'm like whoa i mined a block of bitcoin holy shit like i got 50 bitcoins here now and then i remember i, I went to um nick zabo's uh one of his uh, miner or one of his uh, airdrop places faucets and i got f- five bitcoin if you, I, literally what i should have done was just go to nick zabo's page every day and get five bitcoin but i didn't and uh and then i was chatting with some friends of mine my buddy dan brady who's like an it wizard and buddy chris zakharoff it was none of them got crypto like they just didn't they didn't uh, i don't know i don't i'm not gonna waste any time trying to figure that out and i'm do like you think really people okay. still get crypto you think people actually get crypto i mean you talk to so many people even people in the space you guys have, have heard these things, these, these same, you know, like the same, you've heard the buzzwords over and over again. You know, you ask a question, you probably sometimes smile, you know, behind when someone answers like, okay, I've heard this answer before. Well, I mean, you know, I remember hearing about Bitcoin years ago. It was probably, you know, 2012, 13 when I heard about it, but because I didn't understand it, which is really unusual for me, because usually I hear about a new technology and I just go down that rabbit hole. But there's something about Bitcoin or maybe it was because I was caught up in, you know, personal stuff um, at the time, whatever the reason was. I didn't understand this notion of mining. It's just, and I didn't really question it. It was like, what is this mining? Are there tiny little people inside the computer with, you know, pickaxes going ding, 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 Bitcoin? You're right. I didn't get it. You're right. And unfortunately, that's one of the most complicated things. It wasn't until I understood it. And that was when, you know, early 2017, I was like, oh, damn, this is revolutionary. This, because I, I was there in the beginning, Charlie, when, you know, I set up my first website in 1995. And I remember the vibe of the first, you know, version of the web and thinking, this is going to, this is going to change everything. And once I understood blockchain and mining, I was like, oh, this reminds me of that. You are so right. Because once people get it, then they get it. But I still feel like mining is one of those conversational topics. I mean, just this morning, I was having coffee out here with with a gentleman who owns 175 vacation rental properties here in Florida. And brilliant. Started at the bottom. Billionaire. Very smart guy. He's like, he's like, Charlie, I, I still don't get crypto. I was like, what don't you get? He's like, I don't understand mining. I was like, why do you focus on that? That's like the least important aspect of it. That's the mining is what you, you teach yourself at the end. Yeah. I I think one of the, part of the problem is though, is that early on, you you know, you didn't realize that you could, that you could buy it and you couldn't really buy it until Mount Gox sort of got rolling. And so if you were there in 2010, 2011, there's really not a lot of places that you can get it. Like I didn't, I mean, I didn't dive too far down. I first, you know, because I, I, once I understood that what fiat currency was, I, I started learning that in 2000. Right. And so and I realized, wait a second, the Federal Reserve's not federal. It's not a reserve. Uh, they can print money out of thin air and it costs six cents to print a hundred dollar bill. But we're, we're trillions of dollars in debt. 
Like, how's that even work? That doesn't even make sense to me. And and then so that's so was like I've always sort of been on the lookout. And then I'm like, I thought the the, the idea of internet magical internet money was going to be cool, right? It's like okay. And then like it just trashed my computer. And so that really was a turnoff for me because my computer was kind of on its last leg anyway. And then I had this Bitcoin thing on it, and it just my computer was like, like oh my god, you gonna be okay? And, uh, and so that was one reason why it turned it off for me because I didn't know I could go buy it. I didn't understand that. And then it just trashed my computer. And I'm like, I thought this was a decent computer. And so I don't want to put that on my computer. That's like worse than a virus. Right. And so then whenever my computer finally did crash, I forgot to get my Bitcoin off. Like I got all my, my kids photos and all my important files off and all my music and MP3s and but that 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 magical internet money stayed on that computer, and it's in some dumpster somewhere in Lee Summit, Missouri, uh, with fifty five Bitcoin on oh it. Oh my god! Uh, and it's been sitting in there since the probably two thousand eleven. Uh, so it's probably maybe Jordan. Charlie found it. Maybe, maybe Char- how many how many episodes do you guys record a week? Like three. So you're so you're in front of the microphone three hours a week. Well, on top no. of that, <laughs> that's no, no. True. Of course, on top of that, what people don't understand is that the recording aspect is actually the easiest part of the whole show all the people that do all the work around us, those are the ones who do the real work, you know? Um, but so my question to you is you've been doing the show for a few years now. You all, you both have like, you have livelihoods, your family's kids. Um, well, I don't know if both of you have kids, but you know, do you, do you still use the show as your way of personal development? Do you use the show as like your way of like learning new things in the world or do you still see it as a business? Yes. To both. I mean, uh, life is a learning experience. And, uh, you know, this this show is just one of the things that, you know, that I do. I've written multiple books. I speak on social media topics and entrepreneurship. Um, I do a weekly live show on Facebook where I interview non-crypto people. And, you know, I'm always playing with whatever the cool toys are at that moment. You know what I think is cool. Now this, this has definitely taken up a lot of our time and this show with Travis has been, uh, you know, wonderfully successful. And I would definitely say we spend, you know, I spend more of my time on it than anything else. But when you get to talk to all these incredibly brilliant people, right? How can you not learn and grow? You know, over the past few weeks, we've interviewed John McAfee for the fourth time. We've interviewed G. Edward Griffin. We got to speak with Ron Paul. You know, the the list of these luminaries who have helped set the groundwork for, you know, the, the philosophical approach that uh, many are taking to life and putting information out there is true, um, you know, journalistic researchers is, is just how can you not learn and grow? grow yeah that's what that that is really true and i i started my first podcast in 2006 at a website that i had called cultivate greatness and during that time i was going through like the napoleon hill uh, laws of success and i would break down each chapter and then i started interviewing these different authors and i got a chance to interview john maxwell who's a great like personal development leader and spiritual guy and um and it was just amazing and it was at that moment i said you know what the, the rest of my life, I'm going to spend time interviewing people who are smarter than me in areas that I'm maybe not as intelligent in and just learn from them and have and just grow my network and through and through get paid ha- for it. 
and having mentors. <laughs> it's a, that's the most amazing part about this, Charlie, is that, I mean, <clears throat> seriously, you're like an OG in this whole crypto world. And here we are having a conversation with you on your podcast. We wouldn't have this if we hadn't done our own podcast. We would never be connected to you. And so this, this ne- the network effect, I think, has just been so tremendous. And it's such a blessing that, I, that I'm so grateful for is that, man, my network has exploded over mm-hmm. the years because of all these amazing people that I've had a chance to chat with because I decided to do a podcast. And remember, Travis, early on, we talked about that. We're like, dude, you know, we do the show and the way it's succeeding. We're going to get to be connected to everybody. We talked about this, you know, more than two and a half years ago. And and it's exactly what's come to pass just by putting ourselves out there. And, you know, Charlie, one of the things that we baked in to the podcast by calling it bad crypto we never pretended to be experts i mean we tell people we're bad the criticism that people put out there educate and entertain right it just it just falls on deaf ears because did you not read the label (laughs) now they have the real irony is that we actually do know a thing or two right now and, and actually can speak to blockchain and crypto with our own opinions and, and ideas, but we're still bad. We'll so always be bad. The well, show, decent, we're the decent crypto podcast now. We may be elevated. You should change there. the name. We're not, not, they're not so bad. <laughs> but speaking podcasts. of speaking of podcasts, and, and Joel, I'm not sure if you had other shows before, but Travis, not only did you have that other show, but I, I remember you had a, a show with VentureBeat in like 2015. Yep. Did you guys talk about Bitcoin at all? Like, so that was a non Bitcoin. That was like, that was venture. That was marketing. That was tech. Like, how is Bitcoin? Did you ever talk about it? Did you ever say anything? You know, that show. So, so, I'm so even, curious. Yeah. Even a step before that, I, I was the, the uh, podcast host at Technorati. So I don't know if you remember that tech publication back in the day. Technorati. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Technorati. So Up from there Technorati. with like make use of and like all mm-hmm. those sites. Yeah. Yeah, and I sorry, and, and the reason is is that I had started my own podcast with Cultivate Greatness back in the day, and so I knew how podcasts all worked. You know what? I don't think we talked to anybody in crypto in 2015, uh, 2014, uh, 2016 when we were doing that show. I don't, I don't believe that it, it necessarily popped into our radar um, as much. Just you know, it's one of those things. It's like so crypto. It's like I remember early on, and then I remember seeing the the rise of crypto going up, and I was like, damn it, see, I missed that. That sucks. Uh, and then and then it went back down. And I remember buying some in like uh, 2000, early 2015 at around 300, 400 bucks. But then my agency was struggling at the time and the, the income wasn't coming in. So I remember I had to sell like my 15 bitcoins or whatever around, you know, 400 bucks a pop uh, just to be able to, to take, pay, pay some bills. And then I was like, well, that sucks. And then I ended up getting distracted and not diving back into to Bitcoin because I never really understood it. And then finally, once I understood it, you know, then then it clicked. Once I understood blockchain and how the database worked and how it's decentralized and how it's, you know, it's sensor proof and all that stuff, then it was like, oh, my God, this is even more revolutionary than I thought it was. Wow. OK, because I'd never really done a deep dive on it. I just very sort of shallow ancillary stuff. So, you know, the, even on the Venture Beat podcast, no. I don't believe we ever talked to anybody about crypto. I do know that somebody wanted to wanted to pay oh, really? us in crypto. And uh, and then so they paid us. And then Stuart Rogers was always bitched about it because, like, he couldn't get his money off of Coinbase <laughs> into into to his because uh, he lives in the UK. So he couldn't get it into euros. And and it was just he would, he would just always complain about it. And I was like, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Well, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know. I, I, I was able to get mine out. I don't know. Um, to continue on from that, Travis, like th- this is your, so this is your third podcast. Joel, do you have, did you have one before? I've been broadcasting online since 2008. I started. Okay, so you just doing, need to shut up for a second there. I'm, I'm just joking. I was doing live video from my office. I was doing a weekly show. We had figured out how to do split screen live video before anybody, the technology had existed. Uh, we were doing Joelcom live from my office every Wednesday at noon. And my video uh, producer, he was amazing. He figured out how to Skype guests in run them through Camtasia and then push it out through Ustream. So we were doing these, uh, these interviews with people remotely before that technology really existed. He just kind of remember back in the day with it together with video and audio. You have to do that. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy and times. Then I, I've done a number of podcasts, usually the Joel Com show. I've had three different iterations of the Joel Com show. When my book, uh, The Fun Formula, came out, I did fun with Joel Com. And um, I've been in the live video marketing space really since the beginning when there was an app called uh, Meerkat. Yeah, before Periscope, before Facebook Live, I've been teaching how to market your, your business and your brand with live video. And that's something that I still do to this day. Do you, do you believe in turning a podcast into like a media empire? Some of, some of these podcasters are starting to, in crypto, I'm noticing uh, Pomp's doing it and Peter McCormick's doing it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're turning their shows into more of like brandable empire type things. Well, where well, doing... I mean, bad is, is brandable. But you're already, you're already brand. Well, the, so my question is, is what do you... What do you think of that? Is is should should podcasters stick to podcasting and and focus on that? Well, or, I don't think anybody. Mm. You know, I don't like to should on anybody, right? I mean, it's you got to figure out what works for you. We have done Travis and I have done a couple other shows. We did for a short time along with Stuart Rogers. We did the Bad Boys of Tech. Um, you know, we were going to go to CES and we're like, hey, if we start a podcast talking about tech and gadgets, we can go to CES and we'll get all these cool gadgets because we, you know, we're all tech nerds. And we did that for a short time, um, but you know, priorities take over and, and Bad Crypto is doing its own thing. Uh, Uh, And, you know, when Travis and I heard about EOS Voice, both of us being, you know, in the social space, I've written books on social and Travis and I are both very involved in social media, have been from the beginning. We thought, you know, Voice has got an opportunity to be a big deal. They've sunk $30 million into the domain voice.com. They're taking this seriously. Let's spin up a show called the EOS Voice News. It's EOSVoice.News. And now we're number two in all the search engines when you search for for EOS Voice. Um, And so we've done about six episodes of that. It's a little ancillary project with the same vibe as Bad Crypto. But we were just kind of looking into the future and going, this project could really take off. Let's kind of set a foundation here. It's finally here. The new BitPay card that I've been talking about for the past few months. I've been using the BitPay card since 2016 and BitPay now has relaunched the whole program with such cool features. The reloading has no conversion fees to go from Bitcoin right onto the card and you can load the card whenever and wherever you want to. It has built-in contactless pay and EMV chip built in right into the card and so much more. The limits and rates are amazing. Uh, this is a bank account in your pocket. Just download the latest version of the BitPay app and you can order the card right in the app. I just did it. I went through the whole process, took five seconds. Check it out. Download the BitPay app today. 
Yeah, I would like to, to add on to that is that, you know, I don't necessarily think that we decided to or, or you know, we're going to create a media empire, but we did create the bad media, you know, group. And we have uh, Rachel Wolfson. Uh, she's on our network. Right. So she has the Crypto Chick show and she's got about, what, 20 some odd episodes that she's done. But that that's very journalistic. And she's interviewing a lot of interesting people in Enterprise. She's and- not. She's good. She's not bad. She's good. And then, but then really it's like, so we sort of took the same approach and we said, you know what, you know, just very similar to how we did bad crypto. We decided uh, in March, we were having a conversation and we, you know, all these conferences were getting shut down and we were like, man, I, we were going to go to San Francisco. I had an event. I was going to oh, go. Yeah, I was so excited about that event in San Francisco. Yeah. I was going to go to South having. Korea. And then Joel was going to go to Dubai. There's some other events that just all got canceled. And then we thought, you know what? I bet there's some great speakers out there that already have some amazing presentations that they're now not going to be able to do. Let's maybe think about creating a virtual event of some sort. And we both sort of came to this idea at the same time, kind of like we both came to the idea about bad crypto. And so the same thing happened, as Joel mentioned early on. It's like on on July 16th, uh, we, we decided to do bad crypto. And over the next 48 hours, we bought the domain name, came up with the brand, built the website, came up with the music, launched the first episode, did all that stuff. I'll set up all the social channels. 48 hours later, boom, the first episode is out. We did that exact same thing with the virtual blockchain week idea that we came up with. We had the idea. We said we both came to, the, you know, and then we brought the team in that night. We had a, a Zoom meeting. We said, should we do it? Do we have buy-in? Let's do it. Boom. So I immediately started working on the website. Joel immediately started working on connecting uh, with with, with uh, speakers and people, friends of Bad Crypto, FOB, friends of Bad. Uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, and then so we we reached out to FOB? the FOB. Yeah, the yeah friends of Bad Crypto. And then we uh, and then we we had Joel had twenty three speakers confirmed. Within 48 hours, and I had the website mostly done within 48 hours. Charlie and, Shrimp. and we had yeah. Charlie Shrimp on board. We Thursday night, two nights yeah. from now. I'm excited. Well, I shouldn't say that because we're recording. People yeah, don't know. know. It this doesn't matter. In the midst of uh, this, you know, right now, just a timestamp, it's um, April 28th. So it's Tuesday morning here. That means tonight is going to be night two of five nights. The last night we did four hours of content and it was it was amazing tim draper kicked it off and we had uh, one guy who couldn't show so tim stuck around for an extra 20 minutes and just did did q a with him and he's such an amazing guy uh we had brock was on um we had peter mccormick on monty greenspan was on we had you know thousands of people watching from all over the world and we're just firing it up and i think charlie you speak on thursday yeah i'm doing a fireside chat on thursday oh you bring the fire we'll bring the chat yeah i made a fire last night actually outside Nice. No, I physically made it. Oh, well, I, I just took palm leaves and I, I burnt them. I, I just I, I, I like being outside. I don't know something about being inside. How are you guys doing during the quarantine thing? Because you're used to being indoors, right? That came off wrong. Outside our back door, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like being door. outside more if I had a beach outside my back door too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, on, I'm doing an Airbnb. I don't normally have a beach. I'm like rent, vacation rental right now. <laughs> it's uh, it's beautiful in Denver. I mean, it's in the 70s today. I get out every day um, and go for a walk. 
and um, I enjoy the outside. I've got a, a beautiful apartment with a balcony, so I get to sit outside and look at the mountains and, and watch no cars going by. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I like the outside, but I do spend a lot of time inside. And to, to your question of how this is impacting us, it really just, you know, there's a lot of people I feel horrible for because they've lost their livelihood, right? There's people that have been furloughed, laid off. There's businesses that can't conduct business. They're going out of business. And this is what we do anyway. So, you know, we took this opportunity with all these lemons and said, let's make us some sweet, 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 tall glasses of lemonade. And we've been extremely busy with putting the conference together. And now this week, putting it on, uh, you know, for me, it's just another day in the life. I did tell you what, though, Mr. Charlie Schramm, if you ever decide to do a virtual conference, uh, a week long virtual conference, give yourself more than 30 days from idea to launch, because that is so stressful. Like I, it, that, that's been one of the things is that, I mean, without the amazing team that we have, I mean, it would just have been impossible. I mean, without the amazing speakers and sponsors and stuff. I mean, that's just one thing is like, oh yeah, 30 days. We can totally do that. Great idea. Oh yeah. So it should be easy. No big deal. But there's a reason we did that, Trav. We, that's we, true. we did that because we knew that consensus was being canceled in New York and we were planning on going there and we're like, um, they're probably going to do something virtual. And we came up with our idea before they, uh, I think before they announced they were doing, and then they're like, boom, we're doing it. They're like, ah, we're going to get there first. I so, think the reason you guys were able to do this so quickly is because while the world was reeling with dealing with like a change in a, a normal, this kind of is, that's why I was saying with the staying inside, I wasn't alluding to like you guys are just stuck inside all the time, but like we're all kind of like homebodies, but not homebodies, more like we can all work from home. It's, our, it's our industry. Home, but my mind is in the clouds. Well, <laughs> I, I will say that is that, you know what, it's it's that whenever I'm at home, I normally stay at home and, and I do what I'm doing at home. But if like if I go to it, I love traveling. Yeah, and, that's what I miss, too. Yeah. So it's like I like to go to some different place and go check it out and go look at all the cool Hang stuff. Hang places. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I love the community. And that's that you know what? I'm actually going to bring that up right now uh, because that's one thing that I re we really miss about this is that, you know, there's so many amazing, kind-hearted, just beautiful people in this community. And and we wanted to find a way to bring folks together and to connect that community. And what we did on Sunday night, Charlie, we had this thing called uh, we did our uh, VIP networking thing and Zoom has this feature called breakout rooms and so joel at the at, he was like the master dj of it all and uh we were able to all the people that was in the room 50 60 some odd people or whatever that were vips and the speakers and stuff that had showed up and then hit the button and then send people out to like five or six different rooms and so there's like seven eight people in each room and then everybody would go through and like introduce themselves and share their linkedin profiles or whatever and connect and have story time and chat about things and then 15 10 15 minutes later joel would bring everybody back to the main room and then everybody's all happy and glowing and chatting and then send everybody off to another room and then folks have come back and told us charlie that this was the most impactful thing that they've had when it comes to networking ever even more impactful than real life networking because in real life people get a little bit shy and maybe they'll sit at the bar and drink and not engage with people 
our format sort of forced people to get out of their comfort zone and introduce themselves and and chat with people in ways they may never have. And some of these people were saying, wow, I've made more connections tonight than like the last three events that I've been to because of just the power of, of, of connecting like this. Ask me, ask me what I think about this. Charlie, what do you think about this? I, I don't like it. I don't like this new normal. I, I miss the drinks and the social and meeting yeah, well, people. Yeah, well, we miss that too. But I know you guys miss that, but I, I you're talking like like what you guys are doing. Let me let me preface this. It's so important to 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 continue maintaining the you know the virtual conferences and the virtual breakout rooms and and on Zoom and and like I said, like the fact that you guys are able to do it and spin it up so quickly, even before a mega company like CoinDesk, is just a testament to your to your skill. Um, but I, I've done all these, these events and in the beginning of, of like quarantine, I would start doing a lot of them, but I started doing less and less of them because the diminishing returns is greater with virtual event. You get burnt out very quickly of doing virtual events where if you, when you go to regular events, the social aspect of it, it keeps you coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it depends if you're an introvert or an extrovert, right? True, Think true, true. People that don't go to events either because they can't afford to, they can't get the time off work, or they're not, you know, naturally social. So the virtual events give people that opportunity. Now, I don't disagree with you. We need to get back to normal. However, I think what we've discovered is that there are better ways to do some things. And there are some events that will start going more virtual because you have this more global reach, because it costs less to put on, and because it there's a a much much lower barrier to entry for people to come you know this this quarantine time of everybody being locked down is causing us to reflect on the ways that we do life and business yes we got to open everything up yes we got to get back to eating out and socializing and going to clubs and working in the office but we're also going to reflect on this and go you know we don't need to do this that way because we think we could be more effective with what we learned from the time we were uh, locked down. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm with you. I'm social also. And if I'm not here at home in front of this microphone or just hanging out at my apartment, playing games on my iPad, then um, I'm on the road somewhere. And that travel is my favorite thing to do as well. I mean, I, Travis, I miss you. I haven't seen you in person. I mean, usually, you know, every month we'll be somewhere together because he lives in Kansas City, Missouri. I live in Denver. And, uh, you know, it's the events that bring us in the team together. Well, sometimes I got to go to Denver to go buy weed. That's true. It's legal there. You can't so get weed in Kansas City? Well, it's 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 legal now, but none of the dispensaries are open <clears throat> because... Uh, oh, uh, well, the thing was is that in in Missouri's uh, government brilliance, they said only cannabis that can be sold in Missouri is cannabis grown in Missouri, and you can't start growing it until it's legal on January first. And so they say sometime like in June it's going to be free. But I want to I want to echo this. I want to say this is that, uh, and I we'd love for you to come by and, and test this thing out tomorrow yeah. night when we're having this, this VIP networking thing because I think this right smoke here weed during the during the talk is that what you're saying? It, I'm confused. No, we, we, during the talk, the fireside chat, that's different. But then when we have the, the net, there's a on tomorrow night starting at five Eastern. That's really when tomorrow this, afternoon. 
tomorrow afternoon yeah at five eastern uh that's when the vip sort of group sort of happens the networking thing but what's really cool about is i think events are going to start doing this as a pre-event thing to prime the pump to prime the relationships because like here's all these people who you don't know oh yeah it's a great idea oh it's so good it's so impactful like and you're sitting here and then now if i go to the event and i'm going to see these people that i just met on this and i'm gonna be like dude what's up elbow bash because we don't handshake yet you don't have to wait. Yeah, you don't have to waste the time getting to know someone in the beginning when you meet them. You know, you can yeah. kind of get to know. That's actually really smart. I never. It sounds so simple, right? Like it sounds mm. so like basic. Like let's do a virtual event before the main event. You guys mm. have spoken together at probably thousands of events. Why? Why did no one do this before? I don't know about thousands, but well, hundreds, definitely, definitely dozens. Tens. <laughs> no, you, you've definitely spoke, spoken at more. I feel yeah, like if yeah, I count I, how many I, events I've spoken, well, I consider as an event is like yeah. speaking to my dog and my wife an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's so, really fun is, is Travis and I, um, usually when we speak at events, it's not to give a talk. If it's a blockchain event, you know, if it's something else we do, but in a blockchain event, usually we do our show live on stage and it's a totally different vibe for these crypto conferences. Cause usually, you know, it's keynote panel, keynote panel, panel, keynote. Some of the speakers are really good. Some of them suck, you know, they're just super highly technical and they're boring speakers. And uh, we come up there and we, put on uh, basically a stage version of our podcast and we entertain people you know we're entertainers and we provide information it's infotainment no it's educate and entertain yeah and that's a lot of fun doing the show at these events you know we did last time we did it i think was uh, east denver here right travis in february just in january i was i was uh well for me in january i was i was doing a live event with you guys in miami and you did you did a uh, live event on stage and it was so good, and then like a few weeks later I flew to San Francisco and I did a live my first ever live podcast and it was like a fireside chat with me and Jesse from Kraken and it was at like this conference that was very like corporate business and normally I wouldn't have gone to that event because it's it's you know the type of events that I like to go to it's the yeah, same ones that you like to go to so here I am on stage doing this live thing and it just. Like the show is great. If you listen to the show now, it's like a great episode because it's a normal podcast, but I treated the live event like a podcast and it didn't, I think the, I think the audience liked it, but I was expecting like them to laugh like a sitcom, you know, like I was expecting. <laughs> we bring our own laugh track. My jokes are so bad in person. I realized <laughs> we put members in the audience and they laugh on cue. Well, it's yeah. good that Joel will laugh at my jokes and I will laugh at his. And then we're boisterous enough that other people sympathy laugh. <laughs> Can I, I'm not sure if you guys listen to other, other podcasts. I know some podcasters don't because it, it, you know, kind of messes with their shows and stuff, but can I have some feedback? I mean, you, you both have been doing this for such a long time and I'm so new to the, to podcasting. I, I really would like to, to hear some, not to put you on the spot, but I would like to hear some feedback on me and things that I okay, could do better. Spot. Uh, so I don't listen to other blockchain and crypto podcasts. I never have. I mean, I've probably, there's probably two times I've listened to an episode from somebody else. And it's really two reasons. One, I don't want to be influenced by what they're doing. I want to make sure we stay true to do what we do 
and, you know, not borrow from anybody else. And and the other reason is I'm block, you know, I'm always talking about cryptocurrency. When I listen to podcasts, I'm listening to, you know, Ben Shapiro or I'm listening to Dan Bongino or I'm listening to the World of Warcraft podcast. You know, there's all, you know, Dennis Miller, there's all these other ones that could be in politics or culture or religion or entertainment. And I prefer that when I'm listening to blockchain stuff. That said, you're doing a great job. You're very conversational. I mean, you you know, there's only one Charlie Shrem. You're very authentic in what you're doing, you know, at least in this conversation and the conversations we've had with you. And I think that's the most important thing in creating your content and being a broadcaster is not trying to be like anybody else. So if you're just doing you, then you're doing a great job. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that. I think that, you know, you it, it seems very comfortable chatting with you. I don't know. I, it seems that maybe some people might be like, oh, my God, it's Charlie Shrem. And like they might get nervous. I don't know. But I think that you put it at ease. You seem you got your questions are very solid. I think you and of, and of course, like who's got more insights into the crypto world than you and your journey that you've had and the experience of of craziness and uh, you know, I mean, especially if you go through the book, you know, the uh, Bitcoin billionaires, that whole the whole story that you're inside there. I mean, it's like you're you're like a character, and you you have you are firmly in the the Mount Rushmore of, of the crypto world. So it's like you handle yourself great. You're very authentic. You got you're very intelligent. You got great questions. I'm just really surprised that you like to do podcasts er- this early in the morning because I'm just <laughs> sleeping. Well, I'm curious. Yeah, but you guys are in Central Time. I'm on Eastern. It's different. Yeah. No, he's I'm on not, Mountain. He got it really early. I don't know. I find myself only being able to do the shows. The first, like I do all my shows. I try to do it like 10 a.m. EST uh, because I don't know. I feel like if I do it after, I don't need till till noon. I try to like to to wait. That was a new thing. I had some medical stuff going on for a few years ago, but I've noticed that if I do the shows after I end my fast, then. I'm just not, I can't, I can't do the same show. I'm like tired. I'm, I'm just glad I'm not on the irritable. West Coast, dude. No. Oh, oh, oh uh, my I'm God. Don't make I'm me do a 1 p.m. show. No. You can notice a difference <laughs> between my <laughs> afternoon <laughs> shows. It's Because well, afternoon yeah. you hit those bong hits and then you, your brain power is not as there. It's like after lunch bong hits and you're like, hey. Oh, well, especially if you're hitting an indica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're talking about the medical cannabis and I want to, I want to talk about this for a second. It's so interesting because, you know, I want to say this when I was, there is no, there are, there are articles where I've said, you know, that I won't hire you unless I've smoked weed with you. And there, the truth to that comes from this. The truth from that is people that work for me or work with me or people that I work with or for or whatever, I like to make sure that they're, they're good people. So I really like to like go out with them, whether it's like having a few drinks, having a smoke or doing anything that this person wants to do. And I'll just give you a quick story. There was a guy that eventually became my COO. And the way I knew that he was such a good judge of character was I had asked him, I was like, Hey, do you want to go have a drink tonight at the bar? And he goes without a flinch. Yes. And so we go out, we meet that night and he goes, and, and I noticed he's not drinking. And I asked him, you know, there was like two, I was, I was like a, I was literally holding my drink and he ordered a, uh, a Diet Coke or whatever. And I said, I'm just, are you driving? Like what's, you know, I was curious because I was still kind of interview phase. And he said, and he explained to me that, no, he had a very difficult childhood and, you know, I don't want to get into too many details to give the person away, but he doesn't drink because of that. And I had so much respect for him that he still came out to the bar. I felt very guilty because I, I don't want to put that someone in that position, 
But um, very interesting that that was his judge of character. So you learn a lot about people, you know, when it comes to 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 like when they're out and their inhibitions are a little bit loosened. Yeah, there. You know, our perception of people is formed based on what we see and what other people tell us about them, and if we've been fortunate enough to have that experience with them, we often discover that, oh, this isn't who, you know, I thought they would be. Uh, this is, this, you know, this person is real, right? That's the word we use. This person is real. Well, no, we're all real. And when you have limited exposure and you only, you know, know somebody from what they post online or hearing them in an interview or listening to their podcast, you get a glimpse into who they are if they're being real. But I think, you know, for me, people are always they're surprised. They, when they meet me, they're like, you're the same guy, you know, on stage and off stage. We're like, well, who else am I going to be? I always find that so bizarre um, because what that tells you is there's some, there's a lot of people out there that are pretending they're posing uh, when they're behind the mic or on stage. And to me, that seems like a lot of work to keep up appearances. Uh, so I think that's a great way to vet people. I have a question though, because Travis mentioned something that I thought was interesting. Travis, you said that Charlie Shrem would be in the Mount Rushmore of crypto. Uh, Mount Rushmore has four people in it. What other three people, would you put on that Mount Rushmore? I don't think that I'm worthy to be one of those four. If, if well, like my Mount, Mount Rushmore, Rushmore has like 10 people in it. Well, if it had like 100 people or 200 <laughs> people, maybe. But top four, I mean, you're looking at, uh, I, I'm looking at Satoshi, of course. Right. I'm really looking at, I think, the early right, like cypher, the early cypherpunk people. I've been doing a lot of research and, and I'm actually realizing less and less and less, like not to knock Satoshi, I love you, Satoshi. But what Satoshi did is is not so much as invent Bitcoin, but what Satoshi did was he was able to take the best parts of hundreds of different papers that I've been mm-hmm. reading, like papers that were rent, read some of, I, I implore everyone to read some of like David Chalm's papers from 1983, mm. where he writes about proof of work in 1983. Yeah. So what's so he's brought it all together. So I would definitely include a lot of those like OG. Uh, you put David on there. I think you'd have to put Vitalik on there. Vitalik, oh, v like for sure. Teddy. He'd be the Teddy Roosevelt of blockchain Rushmore, right? Because Teddy was after the other three um, up there on there. So that would be Vitalik. But then where do you run into? There are some people that have that are not just nice people. And, you know, say not nice things and have not nice opinions. But but these people also, you know, are the reason that we have mass adoption today. Do we judge them now based on their personalities and their actions? Like, what do we do? What do you do? This is a, this is a thought experiment, of course. Well, we like, just don't we just don't invite them back on back no. crypto. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually true. There's a there's a couple people whose names we won't name here. Me too, yeah. That uh, I've you know, when Travis and I, this is a partnership and one of us can veto anybody. Uh, hey, Vito, this guy can't come on. Do you the do show. that? Do you do? Do you veto people? Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely been a couple people who, again, who I won't name that I'm like, no, I don't want that. that I'll guy. name. I'll name. No, I won't. He, he's a dick. I don't <laughs> I do not want to give this person exposure. I don't care how brilliant they are. You know, I'm all about uh, judging people on the content of their character. I really am. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much power you have. I don't care how famous you are. If you are not a good human being, my respect for you is very limited. I mean, even like a Steve Jobs. Hey, good job, Jobs, on bringing Apple to the world and creating the iPhone and being, you know, the mastermind behind that. But I know people who worked for him and you hear the stories. The guy was a 
douchebag. And I, that would that for me, that's not the legacy I want to leave. Right. I don't I, I don't care about the impact I have if I haven't left a positive trail behind me. Let me let me ask you this, Mr. Joel Com. Then yep. so you got Mr. Mr. Steve Jobs who did what he did, and he, but he was authentic to himself. Mm-hmm. What about what about on the other side of things? Because some people really love Bill Gates, and some people think Bill Gates is one of the most evil people on the world. What if like what's the difference between the two? Like is is Jobs better because he was he was a dick, but he was authentic about being a dick, or maybe maybe the other guy who is you know trying to pass you know mandatory vaccines on everyone and kind of doing some things that maybe not be above board but he's hiding it and then but then he's acting like he's super awesome and then i don't like the guy if that's what you're saying Mm -hmm. Uh, i could respect what he's done as a businessman but i don't necessarily like or trust him Mm -hmm. so it's amazing that two of the most prolific tech entrepreneurs of all time kind of have some weird personalities well, does that surprise you, though? I mean, it, nobody normal changes the world, right? When we say normal, we're talking about people that behave within a certain range of what we would call acceptable behavior that, you know, Jobs and, and Apple was right about this. You have to think different. And the the geniuses of the world are the ones that usually aren't recognized as genius they are the outliers as as gladwell talks about and mm-hmm. so when people say that's not normal i'm like well that's good who wants to be another you know cog in the machine yeah. i want to try things that nobody's tried before but a lot of like the, a lot of the crypto people are also like socially awkward myself included <laughs> and we're all like on the spectrum myself included i'm and not you're not on the spectrum. He's I'm definitely on the spectrum. He just You're doesn't realize it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so on the spectrum. I'm on that place on the spectrum that doesn't even know it's on the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a special place on the spectrum for you. We're all on a spectrum of some kind, but you know, mine is a mine is a marketing entrepreneur spectrum. I'm not a coder. I'm not a really a techie. I dig technology. I like to play with the toys. I bought my first computer when I was 16 years old in 1980. It was a TRS-80 Model 1 with 4K of RAM. And I learned really quickly that I can't code my way out of a paper bag. (laughs) This thing is cool and I want to play with this toy. So uh, that's different to me than somebody is like, oh, ones and zeros. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man. You know, it's interesting because uh, I was talking to Jameson Lop, and he said that at Mensa events, which I don't think I'm, I, you know, I've never taken the IQ test, but I'm, I'm nervous because I don't know if I'll pass it, but um, I, I don't qualify. Definitely. Can you pass an IQ test? I don't even know if that's something that you pass and fail. Oh, Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So Charlie just revealed that his IQ is sub 70 because he it, thinks you have to pass an IQ. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I will never claim to be a smart person. Anyone who says that I'm smart. It's them saying it. I don't say that I am because whatever. And also, I was a very bad school student, too. I don't even know how I got into college, let alone graduated. It was thanks to those bong hits in the Target parking lot, by the way. Me, me too. <laughs> IQ is a spectrum, just yeah. like uh, personality. Yeah, it is, it is so true. But Charlie's going to keep on running. I must keep on running because I wanted to run. Today. But at these mental events, they do this cool thing that um, where – you on your name tag, it also has a color like like red, you know, like red, green, and yellow. And red means that 
the people wearing if you're wearing a red ta- like a red color on your on your uh, name tag it means don't cu- like don't touch me don't hug me don't handshake me don't even make an attempt to touch me yellow is like i'm i'm open to being touched and hug or you know slap five someone that i'm like comfortable with and green is like just fucking run up to me and give me a hug right now and so uh, i can't we can't I like do that to wear brown and say it's okay to fart around me yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't well, know. Did you Joel know that Charlie Thank you guys for waking he, uh, up early for coming on the show. And... Yeah. Who did? did? Did you know that he that Joel made the iFart app? That's the most oh, you ep- mentioned that to me once a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is he's true. a big That's fan the of the app. farts. All I'm a big guys fan are, too. many women are too. They just won't admit it until they they either do it themselves and they giggle amongst themselves, you know, like little schoolgirls, yeah. or um, they see the app. And invariably, when I talk about the iFart app at an event, it's the women who come up to me and they want to take a picture because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell my husband or my son or my boyfriend that I met the iFart guy. It's hilarious. That is, that is so funny. My dog makes... The worst farts. <laughs> I don't know why. When he farts, though, it's so bad. He's listening to me right now. What are you feeding him? I don't know. I need to change it up a little bit. Hey, man, uh, speaking I, of which, I tell you what, him. my quarantine diet, though, I had some baked beans. I made some baked beans with some pulled pork, barbecue pulled pork, and I mixed them together. And they were so delicious that I ate the whole quart over like 24 hours. And then like the day later, I was just suffocating. And uh, oh, I, no. like, I need to get some air. I need to go oh, outside. No. I am so. so how do I quarantine from myself? I need I, to know. I, have I need to tell to... you guys this because <laughs> of the irony. But I just farted twice for real. Right now, just happened. Really? This podcast has gone off the rails. Yeah, yeah guys. So, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up. Joel and Travis, Bad, Bad Crypto Podcast. Uh, how can everyone follow you guys? Like, uh, how can they listen to to your show after they listen to mine? Uh, no. well, if they do, <laughs> in spite of uh, what they've discovered today, badcryptopodcast.com is the website and you will find our show in all the places that shows are found. When I was wanting to do my show, I I listened to a lot of the shows and I don't do it anymore. But I, I, I remember saying to my producers, I want because I, and I, we had to do a lot of, you know, like market research. Your show was the closest that I wanted to be. I said, I, I want to be like them. The only difference is, is I'm going to focus on more like previous history and stories and and their focus you know and their focus more on who's farting <laughs> oh man that's exactly my i don't even fart on my show but i need this is the first time yeah well there's always a first yeah. first for farting <laughs> thank you guys and i'll talk to you later thanks buddy hey everyone thanks for listening new episodes of untold stories are released every tuesday and thursday at 7 a.m est on untoldstories.com Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Untold Stories is produced by Jason Yanowitz, Michael E. Polito, Reed Hannaford, and Riley Silbert of Blockworks Group. Our account executives are Gina DeFelice and Julie Muroff. Our content is written by Kathy Zolo, Ronnie Tishner, and Scott Offer. Special thanks to Wayne Dallaire from Jump Dog Audio Productions. And of course, I'm your host, Charlie Schrem. You can follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Shrem, to continue the conversation. Send me some messages, feedback, or anything you want to say. And remember, please give some love to my sponsors, and I'll see you next week. Remember, strength in numbers, and information is power.